In high school, it's true. I did drive without a license or a permit for most of my high school career. It's a confession. Not proud of that, but it is true. And in fact, I thought you guys would be interested to see what I drove in high school. Because I thought it was the bee's knees, which is old guy speak for cool. So this is a 1987, oh, it's not up there. This will be a 1987 Honda Civic hatchback. That's a 1987, <laughs> exactly what I drove. <laughs> That's much cooler, thank you very much. So I drove that and I had Scooby-Doo uh, seat covers on it. I know, I know, I was the coolest guy you ever met. Hey, it got me around, it got me around. But there was a time when I did study the California Driver's Handbook and I, I, I took it, I did get my permit, but then it expired. Long story, long story, don't make me tell that. But when it expired, I didn't bother going and getting my license. So I just used my car that I already had, and I drove around town. And for the most part, I, I did that without consequence. But one day, as I was driving past school, uh, I was in one of the middle lanes, or I guess the middle lane, and the cop kind of just gets behind me, like no big deal, right? I've had cops get behind me before, and they kind of move around, and I, I drove under the speed limit so as not to cause uh, you know, undue attention brought to me. But this one stayed behind me. So I started getting nervous. Uh, when you start driving, you start paying attention to how cops act. And you know, when you start looking over in the middle, and they're doing this, you know they're looking, they're looking up stuff, probably about you. And so then I'm like, okay, well, this might be it. I might get busted and not be able to get my license till I'm 21. And so I do whatever, <laughs> I, do, I do what I did every time. And I would try to scoot over and just go to a different direction where the cop wasn't there. And so I went to the right-hand lane. I thought, okay, she's going to pass by. It was a she, I remember it. She's going to pass by, and everything's going to be fine like it always is. Except she didn't pass by. She slowed down and got in the lane with me. And now she's right behind me, again. And I'm like, okay. My first tactic of evasion failed. My second tactic of evasion is now, now that I'm in the right-hand lane, I can easily make a right turn and go the other direction. Hopefully she doesn't follow. And so that's what I did. I get to the streets. I signal, of course. I think I put my hand out that one time. And then I made a right-hand turn. And guess what she did? She made a right-hand turn too. And that, okay, there's the feeling when you know you're busted where that pit in your stomach, you're just like, oh, I want to throw up. I'm nervous. I'm anxious. I had that. And my little white... 1987 Honda Civic Hatchback. And I'm like, okay, last tactic of evasion. This is the most bold and daring. Uh, on the street that I was on, there were several side streets that I could have turned off on. So I passed a couple, but one was coming up. And I'm like, okay, I ha I'm at about 35 miles an hour. I'm going to slow down quickly and then turn right really fast and see if she can, see if she'll follow me. And so I made a very bold right-hand turn almost the last minute, which in and of itself was foolish. And as I turn on the right street, do you know what happened? She passed by. I was saved. I was so thankful to God. I'm like, God, I'll become a pastor. I'll do whatever you want me to do. Whatever, God, just tell me. Anyway, I was so, I was so thankful to God, but really nothing changed after that. 
I kept driving until I actually got my license. I, got, I think I got my license like 18 or 19, late 18, 19. Um, don't do that, by the way. Don't do that. Just, just so we're all clear here. But here, here's the thing. In California, we have the, drive, the, the, the written test, and then we have the, the driver's test behind the wheel, right? And that's right and good. We don't, we don't get mad at the government for saying, hey, we want to protect people by making you figure out how to use that machine before you're driving it down the road and potentially can kill somebody. So we go through, you know, we memorize the book and the, the rules, and then we take the, the behind-the-seat thing or behind-the-wheel test, and then all things, all things being equal, if you pass that, then they give you the certificate, the license that says you can now drive. You're a person now. You can drive and, and not have to worry about uh, not being pulled over. Well, you, you should worry about being pulled over, but you can drive at least. And the reason why we get, because in a car you can really hurt somebody, not, not the least with yourself. But there's also another stage in your life, another place in your life where you can do some serious damage to both others and yourself where we don't go through a written test. We don't have a behind the wheel, so to speak. And that's in your relationships. So much of your life, you're going to be getting in and out of relationships with, you know, opposite sex and not, not the... And friendships, and so much of the damage that can be done in an opposite sex relationship is through one critical factor, which is what I want to talk about today. And it's when you're going too fast, too soon. Yeah, we don't have a written test, we don't have behind the wheel, but it's something that you should be thinking about before you jump into having a relationship with the opposite sex. This is one of the big, I don't know if there's any more critical area that you need to understand before you jump into it. And it's that speed does kill. You go too fast in your high school relationship, it's going to end up sending you off course and over a cliff. I know for some of you, relationships aren't even on your radar yet. And that's fine. That's totally fine. But when the time does come, don't you at least want to be prepared? Don't you at least want to have the mindset of, okay, let me think about this the right way before I jump into it? Hopefully you do. Hopefully you do. In fact, if you ask anyone, uh, which would you prefer? Would you prefer a broken heart or a broken leg? Most people are going to say, well, give me the broken leg. I don't want the broken heart. Broken heart stinks. And so I want to protect you and help you to understand how you can best protect yourself and the other person that you're with before anything like that happens. And so we're going to look at one verse, one verse in the Song of Solomon. You don't need to read the rest of it. <laughs> Please don't. Just one verse in the Song of Solomon. And this, this verse is repeated several times by the female partner in the song, in the song rather. And the one thing that she says uh, to her watching world is something that I want to say to you this morning. This one verse goes like this. And again, she repeats it several times over. It's this. She says, I adjure you, O daughters of Jerusalem. Okay, now pause for a second here. Let's understand that word adjure. She's saying, I, I, I am begging you. I am putting you under oath. I'm asking you with a serious and somber tone, uh, make me this promise. Vow to me. Promise to me. Covenant with me almost. And, and make me this promise. Who's her audience? Uh, she's talking about daughters of Jerusalem, and, and really that can apply both to guys and girls. So she's just saying, watching world, people that are watching what's happening here, by the gazelles or the does of the field, that you want. Not stir up or awaken love until it pleases. This is the driving point that she makes over and over again in this song. And this song, if you know anything about it, if you're doing DBR with us, you've read the Zesty song before. There's some pretty heavy stuff in there that only married couples should explore. But when, she's, when she takes these breaks and she transitions, she says things like, don't stir up or awaken love until it pleases. Now here's the point for you, and here's how you really need to think about this. You're in high school right now, and so for most of you guys, you're not in a position to really explore the depths of high school or even opposite sex relationships. And so you need to heed the counsel of this young woman who's speaking through this song and really God and saying, slow down and don't stir up or awaken love until it pleases. 
The great wisdom in this song is taking things slow, more slowly than you're going to want to. You're going to be, you're going to be tempted because your friends are going to be posting photos on their Insta about their cute relationship and they're, and they're snuggling and they're holding hands. Or that you're going to go to the movie theater and you're going to see couples that are getting close and cuddly and it's just going to be you and a bucket of popcorn. And you're going to be like, man, well, what about me? I want to get close and cuddly with someone. But you and your bucket of popcorn are all by yourselves. And there is great wisdom in, in not jumping into things too quickly. So here's, my, here's, here's the counsel, guys. A lot of what you're about to hear is not going to be uh, chapter and verse. This is exactly how to do this. But as we spend this week and next week talking about dating, this is more going to be the wisdom of God's word applied to your stage in life. And let me give you the wisdom that I think is most helpful from this text and now for your life. And it's you really got to install relationship speed bumps in your life. Install relationship speed bumps. When it comes time for you to take someone out, guy or girl, you have to have in your mind, okay, I'm going to put speed bumps in place so that I don't go too fast and run my relationship off a cliff. And there are several speed bumps that I want you to install. Speed bumps aren't going to guarantee that you won't make a wreck, but speed bumps will help. Uh, speed bumps are going to be in place, and sometimes if you ignore speed bumps, oh, it's not so good. Not so good. But you shouldn't ignore speed bumps because they're helpful and they're wise. Proverbs chapter 4 is where I, want to, where I want us to start off here because it's important that you feel my heart behind this, and that you feel the heart not only of your pastor, but as a father, a brother in Christ, and someone that cares deeply about you and your high school relationships. You need to heed wise counsel. So look at Proverbs chapter 4 with me. I'm going to have it on the screen here for you so you can see it and, and read along with me. Hear, O sons, a father's instruction, and be attentive that you may gain insight. So first and foremost, the audience is a dad talking to his kids his sons in this case, but his, his daughters would be included in this. Here, listen. For why? I give you good precepts. I know for some of you guys, when your parents tell you to do something or not to do something, it's like, man, man, get off my case. Tell me, just let me do what I want to do. But your parents, even if they're not Christian, generally have your best interests in mind. And the same is true when it comes to what we're about to talk about here. We have good precepts. Don't forsake my teaching. And then the father reflects back on when he was a boy. He says, when I was a son of my father, tender and the only one in the sight of my mother, he taught me and said to me, let your heart hold fast to my words. Keep my commandments and live. Sounds a whole, like, a whole lot like Ephesians chapter 6. But the point here is he's saying, listen to wise counsel. You're at a stage in an age in life where you're going to be tempted to ignore it and to listen only to your peers. But what you should do is slow down Hold fast to the words of a godly person that you trust and respect and live. Ideally, your mother and father starting. Verse 5, get wisdom, get insight. And let me just emphasize those for you. Those two gets there are saying, hey, run toward that. Go do that. See that as valuable. Uh, work for that. Do not forget. Do not turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake her and she will keep you. So he's personifying wisdom as a female. Don't forsake her and she will keep you. Love her and she will guard you. The beginning of wisdom is this, uh, get wisdom. So you see here, he's reinforcing the idea. Get wisdom, young person, get wisdom. And especially in this area that you are about to enter into, get insight. Dating is a minefield. Dating is a minefield. Relating to the opposite sex is dangerous. I need you to understand that not to fear monger you and to say, man, it's big, scary dating, but really to help you see that you're entering into something just like, uh, just like the state of California says, you have to take the written and you have to do the dry because we want to know that we can trust you. 
You shouldn't trust yourself so much that you enter into a relationship with the opposite sex. I'm going to be great. It's going to be fine. Got to slow down and understand that many people have gone this road before and have shipwrecked their faith, shipwrecked their lives. Prize her wisdom highly and she will exalt you. She will honor you if you embrace her. So holding her closely, thinking about it as a, as a matter of this is my person. Verse 9, she will place on your head a garland, um, a winner's crown. And she will bestow upon you a beautiful crown. So this is all to say, this is all preface to my, to my sermon here for you. Uh, you. You need to see wisdom as something that you need. The, the best thing that you can do with, with your life right now is to understand, I'm in a humble position, I need to humble myself to understand wisdom, especially as it relates to dating. Because if you don't, if you don't love discipline, if you don't love knowledge, Scripture says that you're stupid. <laughs> um, whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but he who hates reproof is stupid. I, I think that's kind of funny, but it's honest, right? Listen to wisdom, listen to insight, especially as it relates to dating. So what are the speed bumps that you should put in your life? Let me offer you several. Put these speed bumps in place. As you jump into the realm of dating and relating, here are several speed bumps that I need you to understand and, and go with. This is going to be a super fast sermon, so take notes quickly. Here goes. Point number one, actually sub-point number one, the first speed bump is this point in life, this point in your life. What does that mean? Well, f- with the exception of a few of you, none of you are legal you're not able to, to marry right now. You're not independent. You still live with mom and dad. You're still receiving their, their income. You're still receiving their support. And, and what that means here is that you're not old enough to marry someone. If you've got serious someone right now, you're not old enough to marry them. You're not, you're not uh, financially uh, independent enough to marry somebody. And even if you do find somebody and you say, oh, I'm super close to them. I love them. I want to marry this person. Here's what the, st- the, the stats say. Less than 2% of all marriages are actually to a high school sweetheart. Less than 2%. Some are a little more, 3 or 4%. But even so, we're talking about single-digit percentages of people that actually endure through high school and into college and the rest of the years. What that means is that in this point in your life, you're not likely to find the person that you're going to marry, which is why you need to slow down and understand that, to, to, that dating done well in this stage of life is waiting done well. Slowing down and saying, I'm going to put this speed bump, and the speed bump is reality. Reality. I can't marry them. So I, I don't want to get too close too quickly. I don't want to jump into a relationship that I can't commence, uh, uh, that I can't consummate. And so I need to be I need to be slow and methodical about this. This point in life, Proverbs chapter four, we just read it a second ago. It's the idea that this is wisdom, young person. Uh, I'm, this is not a command from Scripture. I can't tell you don't get involved with someone emotionally, but this is wise. Slow down. When you find someone that you're super attracted to, the best thing that you can do is say, "Okay, calm down, heart. Calm down." I know she's beautiful. I know he's handsome, but I can't do anything about that right now anyway. One of your questions in your, that you're going to go through in your small groups is going to deal with that about, okay, I'm attracted to someone, but I can't do anything about it right now. What do I do with that? This point in life, reality. Next speed bump you should think about. The next speed bump you should put, you should put in place is your parents, your parental units. Believe it or not, parents are God's gift to you. No one's going to amen that? Okay, I'll amen it. <laughs> amen, Pastor uh, Parents are God's gift to you. Turn to Ephesians chapter 6, and we're going to look at the first three verses really quickly. Ephesians chapter 6, the first three verses. You probably have this memorized. You, you probably have, and if you don't, then you, you probably should. It says this, children, obey your parents in the Lord. If you're a Christian, children, obey your parents. For this is right. This is good. This is honorable. Verse 2, honor your father and your mother. This is the first commandment with the promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. In other words, it is for your benefit. It is for your blessing if you honor and obey. Another way to say it is if when you honor and obey, things go your way. 
I mean, things are a blessing for you. Life goes better when you do what you're supposed to do. So how does this relate to your dating? Your parents should know your interests. I mean, especially when it relates to a romantic interest. I would love for you to say, hey, I want, to, I want you to meet my parents. It doesn't mean it has to be weird or awkward. It doesn't mean like, hey, we're getting super serious. It's just, hey, these are my friends. And this happens to be my super handsome friend that I'm really into. Or this happens to be my super beautiful girlfriend that I'm really, not girlfriend like that way, but my, my friend that I'm really into. You want your parents to know who they are. You want your parents' feedback on them. You want your parents' wisdom on them. And I know what it's like to be on the opposite end of that. I, I met uh, one of my, a uh, long time ago, long time ago, uh, I, I met my girlfriend's dad. And like he, he was on the opposite side of the table. He made me sit down, face him. And he's like, all right, Rod, what, what, what do you know about the Bible? Oh, I, I, just, I read it, <laughs> sir. I, I know that it's there. I, I know that there are 66 books. <laughs> I, I, was, I was bad. I was bad. He could have asked me almost anything. I would have been totally ignorant. But he asked me questions like, right, explain to me what the prophecies in Ezekiel mean. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But anyway, he, so we, he started off somewhat silly, and then he progressed to kind of just get to know me. He wanted to know who I was. He wanted to know why I was interested in his daughter. And I thought, you know, looking back today as a, as a father, I'm like, that was wise. And for her, that was protective. I had so much more respect for her and for the family after I met her parents. That was helpful for me. And I'm telling you, it's going to be helpful for you. Meet the parents, get to know who they are, and vice versa. It's awkward, but it's worth the investment. So point in life, parents, let me also offer this. And we're going to spend a little bit more time on this parameters. Parameters. This is another speed bump to slow you down so that you don't uh, crash your relationship over a cliff parameters. There are several I want to talk about, but here's the thing. I know for some of you guys, the question that you want to answer in your mind is how far can I go before it's in? And I'm going to tell you, that's the wrong question. That's the wrong way to approach this conversation. It's not how far can I go before it's in? It's what is wise? What is godly? What is righteous? And this is where it's difficult for you guys. I get this. So um, here, here's the beauty of scripture. Scripture doesn't say you shouldn't kiss on your first date. Scripture doesn't say you shouldn't hold hands or hug or cuddle. Scripture doesn't say that here's the, here's the exact line before it becomes sexual immorality. Scripture doesn't give you that. What Scripture gives you is way better. It gives you principles. It gives you understandings and concepts that are spirit-led. Let me show you Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5 is, a, is an awesome text for you to be thinking about when it comes time for you to go and date somebody. Here's what it says. Here's a speed bump of God's word. He says, therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. Now, that's the first place to start. And that's, that's, a great, that's a great first place for you. Imitating God. The first parameter is thinking about how I can imitate God in my relationship. And in fact, he gives you an explicit example. How do you imitate God? Walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. This is your example, Christ himself. Imitating God is imitating Christ. And notice, this is before what we talked about last week. This is before the husband and wife role. So this is talking not just to guys. This is talking to all y'all, guy and girl. Walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. And this is where he gets into the particulars, uh, at least the, the, the principles anyway. Sexual immorality, all impurity, covetousness, not even named among you. Which means when it comes time to date, the parameters in your mind are going to be able to say, well, I should not be in a position where this can be called sexual immorality or impurity or covetousness. None of that should even be named among you, which is to say that, that, that those sins, not, not that they don't happen, but that they're so infrequent in the church that they're not even, they're rarely brought up because we're walking in a way that honors God. In fact, that's what he says. This is proper among the saints. This is how Christians act. He goes on, let there be no 
filthiness, nor foolish talk or crude joking, which are out of place. You know where I see a lot of filthiness, foolish talk, and crude joking is on social media. I see a lot of meme accounts that are basically that. That's what they make their. That's how they get their followers: filthiness, foolish talk, crude joking. Um, and I'm not going to tell you not to follow them, but you probably shouldn't, at the very least. If any of those accounts, if any, anyone in your life is causing you to say, uh, to think more filthy, uh, filthiness, to think more foolishly, or to crudely joke, that's not helpful to you. Instead, in fact, what he says, those are out of place. But instead, let there be thanksgiving. I have not seen a meme account about thanksgiving yet. Maybe it's time for someone to create one. But the idea here is that the parameters of your life are principles of the Spirit. Not filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking. There's no place thanksgiving. For you can be sure of this. Everyone who's sexually immoral or impure or covetous has no inheritance in the kingdom of God. The stakes are very high. And so the principles then for our parameters are so. Oops. Sorry. Let me skip that. Okay. Parameters. The first one you should be thinking about, and the obvious one is the physical parameters. As I said beforehand, there's no, there's no Bible verse that says don't kiss, don't hug, don't cuddle, don't snuggle. Um, there's nothing I can quote to you. But looking at Ephesians chapter 5, I can tell you with a great deal of wisdom from, from the God's word, it is not wise to jump into a physical relationship with somebody. In this stage of life, what's, what's it going to lead to? What profit is there when you start snuggling, kissing, hugging, and getting close to each other? What profit is that? What profit? If you can think of something that's helpful to you in that area, come tell me after the service, and I'll, I'll, I'll amen you and say, you know, let me go correct my sermon. But for the most part, what ends up happening with most people your age, because you're so young and your hormones are raging, you're crossing lines that you're never meant to cross. And so you need to say to yourself, is this wise? Should I be allowing myself to kiss, snuggle, hug, whatever? I, I, man, I, I feel bad that I'm saying this because I know it's not helpful for you to hear this in this way, but you got to hear my heart on this. I want you to be wise and godly, and I want you to protect the person on the other side. Whoever that guy or girl is, this is what's going to protect you guys. It's not just physical either. Physical parameters are helpful, but, but you got to think about, okay, don't lie to match in a bomb factory. That's what that graphic was. Don't lie to match in a bomb factory. Striking a match is starting that first step toward physical intimacy. And for most of you guys, you don't have the self-control to, to stop yourself when it's time to stop. Wherever that line is, wherever, wherever you cross a line from purity to impurity or purity to sexual immorality, wherever that line is, and I'm not sure if it's a distinct like, line in the sand, but a mindset, I don't know if you have, most of you have the capacity to stop at that point, which means that for, for you, you just got to recognize, I'm a sinful person, I'm fallen, and I have difficulty controlling myself, so I better set the line way far back to protect that person and protect myself. So physical intimacy in this regard is a parameter that you should be talking about. Hey, let's, let's agree that we're going to protect one another. Nuggles are fine, but beyond that, we shouldn't really go much further than that. Physical kind of coincides with the emotional parameters that you should have. And one of the things I love, some of my favorite couples have said, we did not say I love you until we were engaged. I think that there's wisdom in that. There's wisdom in that. I didn't say I love you until we were engaged because we know you know that those words carry great meaning, significance. If we're just throwing those things out to them, oh, I love you, love you, love you, love you, love you, it becomes cheap. And unfortunately, in the English language, you only have one word to convey love for somebody, and it's the word love. Is it wise to start throwing that out in your relationships at, in high school? I know you might feel that. You might have a sense in which you're like, man, I'm really committed to them. But is it love? Limiting physical. Uh, 
um, putting the speed bumps to physical, emotional, um, time. Time's a big one. Time together, physical time together is a big one that you should be thinking about, especially when you're alone. Um, I guess the, the, the wisdom that I can offer you on this here is that when you're spending time together, you need to understand that you're investing into a bank account that at some point is going to be like, okay, we got to do something about this. People are naturally meant to get closer together. Relationships, especially boy-girl relationships, are going to be getting, getting close. So you need to limit and go slow on your physical time together. And here's the thing. It's harder for you because with your devices, you can connect with them all day, every day. And some of you guys do. Like, it's all night. You're getting text messages at 2 a.m. Like, oh, are you awake? Oh, yeah. Let's, let's talk. Uh, let's exchange, you know, photos. Let's talk about whatever. Some of it's innocuous. I'll grant you that. But you've got to be wise about that young person. Limiting time together would be one of the wisest things you could do. And I know, I know what I'm saying here is going to make you so different than everyone else around you. Call you prudish and old-fashioned. You know, you know, why you guys are so archaic. What kind of religion do you follow that makes you not spend time together? I get all that. But here, here, here's the wisdom behind this. Slowing down and, and, and waiting to get in that level of intimacy is the best thing for you right now. Point in life, p- uh, parents, parameters, people. You need certain people in your life. Proverbs 27, 5 and 6 says, Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Which is to say, I'd much rather have you confront me in my face than to hide it and not say anything. If you, if you, see, if you see food in my teeth, you should tell me, right? That's love. If you see food in my teeth and you don't say anything, you don't love me. <laughs> That's the idea here. Proverbs 27, 5 and 6 is, Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Faithful are the wounds of a friend but profuse are the kisses of an enemy. If someone in your life is only telling you what you want to hear, they're probably not your friend. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. A real friend is going to gently, lovingly deliver the truth to you. And the people that I have in mind here are those kinds of people who are willing to confront you with the truth. These are the kind of people that are going to uh, invest in you, and they're going to have an, an interest in your life and a much deeper connection to you than your boyfriend or girlfriend. And one of the... I don't know, one of the pitfalls, one of the potential uh, ditches in relationships that you stop spending time with people like this because you want to spend more time with your SO, right? Oh, I want to spend more time with him. He's cute. I want to spend more time with her. She's amazing. And you stop spending time with that guy, the one who's going to give you the open rebuke, uh, because it's not as fun. I get that. But you would be so wise to limit time with your SO and spend time with that guy who's going to say, hey, I want, I want you to know I care about you. It looks like you're getting really close to her. Are you being wise with that? How do your parents know about your relationship? Does your leader know? Does your pastor know? Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. You need people in your life who are, and I guess this is kind of implied already, um, but point in life, parents, parameters, people. And the last one, I couldn't think of a P word for it, so I just added it. I made, my, made up my own word. Accountability. <laughs> you need accountability. <laughs> You need leaders and pastors and people in your life. I want you to find a godly old person, like Ryan D'Amato, a godly old person, (laughs) or any number of our leaders. (laughs) A godly older man or woman who has access to you. And here's, here's the kicker. The kind of access that I'm suggesting is radical transparency, where you can say, all right, my phone's unlocked, take it. Look at my phone. Look at my messages. Look through my photos. Uh, here's my secret app where I keep the extra, you know, zesty photos. Here's my life. Here's my, here's my fake Insta. Here's my third Insta. Here's my spam Insta. You want someone in your life 
that is A, godly, B, older than you, and C, someone that you can be radically transparent with. Because here's the thing, I, I know about you. You're a sinner, and I know that about you because I know that about me. And there's a sense in which we should never come to a place where we trust ourselves fully and completely. We should always have people in our lives who we can say, this is me, help me, I'm going to entrust myself to you, and it's going to be vulnerable and awkward and painful, but I know you have my best interest at heart. Do you have a person like that? That's the kind of person that you want to have close to you. That's the kind of accountability person you want. Proverbs 27, 17 says, Iron sharpens iron, and one man sharpens another. There's that kind of friction that happens when iron is kind of going against each other. And that's, it's, it's hot, it's, uh, it glows, it's, it's perhaps painful, but that's the kind of relationships we need with people. So please do that. These are the kind of speed bumps that you want to put in place here. Some of you might be saying, okay, well, what if I've already messed up, Pastor Rod? I have a history. You know, I, I, I made mistakes already. I've already gone off the cliff, as you say, with prior relationships. Um, two things. Two things. <laughs> if, you have, if you have sinned sexually, if you've transgressed that arena, you need to talk to your parents about that. Sexual sin is different than a lot of other lesser sins that you might commit because those are the kind of sins that go down deep. We talked about this a little bit during Revival Winter Edition, but you've you got to understand, you can't hide these. These are the kind of pernicious, evil sins that grow and fester and often need counsel. And so please hear my heart on this. Talk to your parents about that first, and then talk to your spiritual authority. You may not want to talk to me because you know, I'm the old guy on the pulpit, but maybe talk to your leader and say, hey, this is what's going on. Um, I'm struggling in this area. I'm struggling with this girl. I'm struggling with this guy. We've, we've done such and such a thing. I want to change. I want to fix this. Help me. Confession and repentance go together. Real repentance involves confessing your sin. First John 1 John 1.9, if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If you've crossed the line, understand there is forgiveness. There's nothing you can do or, or will do that will ever separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus. But that doesn't mean that we keep it to ourselves. For you, my, my, my encouragement, my suggestion, my strong suggestion is that you take your sin and you bring it to light with the right people. Not everybody. You bring it to light with the right people and let the healing process begin, especially, especially in the realm of sexual sin. Okay, all of these speed bumps, you might be thinking, okay, well, it sounds like it's better not to drive it off. These are all the potential pitfalls and it's so dangerous. I'm not saying that. I'm not against dating. If you've heard my prior series on this, you know I'm not against dating. But I am about dating wisely if you're going to do it. You need to have these speed bumps in place if you're going to do it. I highly suggest, strongly recommend that you do this as a young person. And understand that in this stage of life, as a high school student, much of your dating life is going to be a waiting life. You're going to want to go faster, but you're going to have to slow down. Dating done well is waiting done well. You're going to have to be patient in this season of life. Which then raises the question, well, then what am I supposed to do? I'm not, I'm not supposed to date right now. I can't date. You're just harshing my mellow, Pastor Rod. What do I do? Let me go back to this text here for a second. This is interesting, but you might have, it might have caught your attention that when she says, I adjure you, O daughters of Jerusalem, by, she's telling them to swear by something. Isn't it interesting and kind of weird that she says, swear by the gazelles and the toes of the field? It's strange. It's strange. Well, I did a little digging, and then I found out that really what's going on there um, and what I think is going on is that in the Hebrew, 
by the gazelles or the does of the field looks a whole lot like by God Almighty. <laughs> it's another, it, and I think what's happening is she's alluding to God in a playful, not direct way. It's part of the poetry of the book. And the whole book is really got, it's got a pastoral kind of sense to it. Um, you know, if you read it, don't read it now. But when you read it, you'll see that she does, there's a lot of uh, poetic license taking place here. So I think what she's saying is, uh, essentially, I adjure you, O daughters and sons of Jerusalem, by God himself, don't, don't stir up or awaken love until it pleases. And so what I think she's alluding to even more so is your commitment to God first. Your commitment to God first is what's going to make all of this work out. So while you wait, what do you do? While you're waiting, you actively cultivate godly character. You actively cultivate godly character. Your job in the meantime, while you wait, is to, is to prepare. To be prepared for the next season of your life. Perhaps the next person that you date. Actively cultivate godly character. I can think of no better list of attributes that you should be cultivating than Galatians 5, 22 through 24, commonly known as the fruit of the Spirit. Let's work our way through this really quickly here. Let me just prove to you a point. I want you to cultivate the attributes that you see in this list here. This is the fruit of the Spirit. So let me first and foremost say that this is a spiritual fruit and not something you can just conjure up. Um, this is not something you could just like force to happen. This is a result of being a spiritual godly person and not, not the result of just simply trying really hard to look like a godly person. Uh, this is first and foremost the fruit of the Spirit. It's, a, it's God's work in your life. But the first fruit is love. This, this relates to your love of God and your love of others. If you have true love for God and love for others, it's going to show in your life. And now look at the next one, joy here. Think about people that are joyful. Is there anyone in your life that's full of joy that you're like, I just hate being around them? No, right? The, the joyful person is the attractive person. That person that has joy, like Paul, can rejoice though chained to a prison guard. Do you have joy? Are you filled with love? What about this next one, peace? In a world where controversy is the, is, is the kind of the, the way things go, peace is, a, is the kind of quality that says, I'm okay with things. I can be contented with life as it is. I'm, peace. I'm at peace with God and with man. Patience. Patience is a massive quality. Someone who can take it slow, isn't anxious, doesn't mind going over the speed bumps. Are you a patient person? How about kindness? Kindness is uh, the ability or, or the quality of being kind to all kinds of people. The person who's willing to talk with the, the, you know, the loner kid. Are you that kind of person? The goodness is the, the quality of moral uprightness. Goodness refers to uh, someone who is morally honorable. And might I add, I think in this, there's a sense in there which you're serving. There's a serving quality to that. So I think one of the best ways that you can get to know your SO, someone that you're interested in, is serving with them. And maybe even going on an STM, like Utah. Oh. <laughs> Faithfulness. Faithfulness, keeping their word, doing what they say, specifically and, and, and mostly toward God. Gentleness, the ability to be lowly and humble. No one wants a proud, arrogant jerk. And yet, some, I know for some girls, they're attracted to that kind of guy, but the godly guy, the godly girl, is, is gentle and humble. Not the kind of person to get easily offended, willing to get down and dirty with people. Self-control is the last one. Self-control is, is such an important one because it essentially refers to self-discipline. This is the kind of person you want to become. Now look at this list and tell me if you saw someone who walked into True North, or you, maybe there is someone in True North, who is full of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, tell me that person's not attractive. Like that person is a super attractive person that you want to be around them. That's the kind of person you want to become. And the way that you get there is by investing, cultivating a heart that loves God first. 
cultivating the kind of spiritual maturity that will allow this to blossom, cultivating a godly character. So essentially, I'm encouraging you in this season, when dating done well is waiting done well, it's not a passive waiting, but an active waiting, cultivating a godly character that when it does come time to date, you're prepared for that. Waiting done well is, dating done well is waiting done well. And in most cases, it is better to wait. The ability to express self-control over this season of life will be such a blessing to you. And let me prove it to you. There is, in 1960s, a a test that was done, an experiment, called the Marshmallow Experiment. It was done with mostly four- and five-year-olds, and has been repeated recently. In fact, that's where I got this video from. The, the, The experiment is essentially this. If you can here's one marshmallow now, and if you can wait 15 minutes without chomping on the marshmallow, I'll come back and I'll give you two marshmallows. Seems easy enough, right? But when you throw kids in the mix, it's unpredictable. Kids start to get a little anxious. They start nibbling on it. They start staring at it, fixating their attention on it. Some kids... Some kids, in order to avoid eating it, they sat on their hands, they danced around, they put the marshmallow on the other side of the room. They did everything they could to avoid contact with it. And I think what they represent in us are two types of people. The kind of people that are flirting and dancing around with their sin, and the kind of people that are saying, keep it far away. Well, this experiment... (laughs) This experiment... (laughs) As you're watching, this, <laughs> that's cheating, I think. This experiment ran for just a short period of time, but the guy that ran the test followed up 40 years later. Not this one. This is a, re- a repeat of the experiment. The guy followed up 40 years later. He said, those who were able to avoid eating the first marshmallow and wait for the second ended up having higher SAT scores, lower levels of substance abuse, lower likelihood of obesity, better responses to stress, better social skills, generally better scores in a range of other life measures. The researchers followed each child for more than 40 years, and over and over again, the group who waited patiently for the second marshmallow succeeded in whatever capacity they were measuring. Which goes to say, which, which, which goes to show... Self <laughs> chomp, chomp, chomp. Okay, that's enough. <laughs> Which goes to show that when you wait and when you're trusting God to give you the right thing at the right time, things are always going to go better for you. God has baked this in not only to his word to prove to us a point, but also into the way that life works. And I know that this is a hard sermon for you to hear. It's a harder sermon for me to preach, but dating done well is waiting done well going slow and letting God be the one who determines for you the right time and place for you to to start getting serious with people. And I would argue, for the most part, for most of you in this room, it's probably not the right time. But I'll leave you and your parents and your leaders to discuss that one-on-one. My encouragement to you is if you are going to date, put those speed bumps in place. And while you wait, make sure that you're forming and cultivating the kind of godly character that can withstand temptation and also be a blessing to the other person that you date. Next week... We'll talk explicitly about how to date wisely in our final sermon of Boys and Girls. Let's pray.